Hello, hello everyone. I am excited to be back with uh, President and CEO of the Forest Products Association of Canada, Derek Nybor. Thank you for joining me, Derek. Thanks for having me, Aspen. Yeah, we're so excited to be back at our 80th AGM and conference. It's been a few years since we've been able to be here, of course, because of the pandemic. And I think you were actually with us in 2019. Is that right? I remember it well because there was a snowstorm on the way back to Edmonton. I, I don't think I remember even seeing Hinton or Edson on the way back. Oh, so I, I hope that uh, was driving some crappy little car too. Yeah. So I hope we don't have a repeat tomorrow when I'm heading back. But no, we've got should be okay. much more favorable weather for sure this time. And uh, you were a keynote speaker for us last time. And I think we're actually looking forward to you sharing uh, sharing some notes with us this afternoon or this evening for dinner as well. Yeah. Can you give us a little bit of a teaser of what maybe some of the big things are we're going to chat about later? Yeah. Well, earlier at the conference today, I was uh, I listened to the deputy minister's panel, which I thought was really, really interesting yeah. and really, really well done. So uh, I'm going to pick up, uh, you know, I, I live and work in Ottawa. My the, the work that I do on behalf of the sector is really federal government facing where, mm -hmm. you know, the work that you and AFPA do is more provincial government facing here in Alberta. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking a bit about the federal lens of some of these important yeah. issues around strengthening uh, the industry, uh, providing greater certainty for investment, uh, you know, doing our part to help achieve net zero carbon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so those are a few of the issues that we'll, uh, we'll get into in terms of that, the work happening at that federal provincial interface. Yeah. And, and it's so great to be able to, to bring you in and to share those perspectives because there's, you know, lots going on at the federal level, lots going on provincially. For sure, there are some synergies, definitely some differences. You mentioned net zero carbon. I'd love to chat a little bit more about that. What are you hearing there? Yeah, well, uh, you know, our, our industry was one of the first industrial sectors in Canada to 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 come to the federal government when the Paris Agreement was struck back in 2016 to to, to share our roadmap and our plan mm -hmm. in terms of how our sector can contribute. Uh, when I talk to my friends in the steel and cement industries, I'm a little bit jealous. They've got a bit of an easier job. They've got a lot more pollution and they've got mm. a lot more work to do, but they can really focus on their manufacturing facilities and some product innovation. Uh, it's much more complicated in forestry. We have we have an increasing uh, forest pest and fire problem. Yes. I, I don't need to talk to people in Alberta about the mountain pine beetle and 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 fire in communities like High Level and and, and others that have been hit hard over the past few years. So we've got the forest side issue. We've also got our supply chain, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we'd love to move, uh, you know, uh, trucking is an important part of our industry, but there's a massive truck driver shortage. Yeah. Um, there's also a want, you know, moving things on rail is, is better for GHG emissions than mm -hmm. trucks. So we'd like to move more from truck to rail, but we're having real rail service problems. And, and we, yeah. uh, so that's another a challenge uh, in terms of that move to net zero carbon. Plus, we've got mill innovation, decarbonization at the mills. We've got the products that we make to replace more fossil fuel intensive products. I mm -hmm. think of biofuels, I think of mass timber. Yeah. So, you know, so a real full value chain opportunity before our sector. Uh, and, and, and we got a big job trying to get the federal government to understand that complexity and connect some of those dots. Yeah, yeah, we really do. And I have to say, wow, I don't even know where to start because you've just touched on so many of, of some of the really uh, critical and key files for our sector. Um, but I, I do really want to focus on uh, the climate space and something that we hear a lot about in the sector is nature-based solutions. But maybe that's not something familiar to to a ton of folks. So can you talk about maybe what do you see there? Yeah, and I, I think the term, while it's not 
it's not maybe known by a lot of people outside of some in the in, in more in the environmental community. I think even within the environmental community, they're not thinking about forestry as a nature-based climate yeah. solution, right? You know, I think yeah. the initial the initial when I talk to environmental groups, you know, there's a lot of talk around conservation, mm. uh, you know, conserving more land, um, and in 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 some places that makes a lot of sense. You know, carbon-rich peatlands and wetlands. So yeah. we have an opportunity, but we can we can help protect those lands through forestry, yeah. through active management. And and careful man, you know, careful management and planning on the land base to 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 protect those carbon rich areas, but we're in a situation now where protection and parks can't always be the answer. Yeah. And we're 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 seeing that with the fire we saw here at Jasper a few weeks yes. ago, yeah. um, and our national parks are are now a carbon source um, mm. in terms of emissions. So it, it's very challenging. But but you know, forestry is a nature based climate solution in terms of. You know, that active management, that careful management on the land base, those interventions in the face of worsening natural disturbances are really critical. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, but that's just part of the story. Then you get into the products we make that are renewable. Um, You know, it's uh, there's a lot of opportunity before our sector and our people. Yeah. What are some of the exciting things that you're seeing on the biomass side of things? Yeah, I think a number of things. I think, you know, I always tell people whatever you can get from a tree, what you can get from a barrel of oil basically right, right? Yeah. so 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 and and trees grow back um mm. and and provide a whole host of other climate and social and economic benefits so so we're seeing you know how can we use more of what would otherwise be wood waste from our mill so you think of the tree or the law the the tree going to the sawmill uh yeah. to be to be turned into two by fours or, or whatever wood products and then the shavings or the bark or the sawdust how can we you know in some cases some of those byproducts will go to pulp mills or paper mills mm-hmm. in the area but 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 there's also opportunities i think of the lignin plant in hinton yes. right just yeah. down the road from here i think of a lot of the biofuel opportunities so how can we turn what would otherwise be waste and in some communities what would otherwise be chips piling up to be a fire risk mm-hmm. how can we turn that into value-added products so so i think that's one area in terms of the wood residuals or the or yeah. what would otherwise be wood waste but we're also seeing the opportunity how can we displace more carbon intensive steel and concrete in the built environment through mass timber mm-hmm. so so that whole forest bioeconomy uh, it, it holds such incredible potential yeah. uh, not only for our environment but also for jobs in the economy and in communities like hinton and edson mm-hmm. uh, grand prairie and, and Drayton Valley. Yeah, I want to come back to um, some of your comments about lignin because I think that's been one of the most surprising things for me is, um, I guess, first of all, learning how integrated our sector is. You mentioned, you know, the wood residuals from uh, making lumber and how that might go to a pulp mill and how we're, you know, using that wood waste really creatively. Uh, lignin is another great example of that, how, you know, oh, and gosh, I'm not a, I'm not a chemist or, or, a, or a biologist by any means, but um, boiling that uh, pulp down to some of its finer components, you know, cellulose, how we're seeing that being used in food products as kind of a stabilizing agent, uh, lignin, how we're seeing that in adhesives. I've also heard of some incredible innovations about, you know, some component of our wood products finding their way into the fragrance and flavor sector, which is just, I mean, mind boggling. There's yeah. so many opportunities there. Has there been anything particularly surprising for you? Yeah, I think it's, I think uh, the lack of awareness, yeah. I think of that is, is the first thing. I think the second piece is, is how do we scale that up in Canada? Right. You know, we're, 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 we're a big landmass, but we're a small country. Um, and, and I think with, with some coordinated support by our government partners and, and the innovation community and groups like FP Innovations here mm-hmm. in Canada, which is a, which is a model public private sector partnership and kind of the envy of a lot of countries around the world. Mm-hmm. How 
can we leverage uh, some of those partnerships to, to, to advance that agenda? Yeah. And, and there's lots of high tech stuff going on uh, in our sector. You mentioned mass timber. I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. Um, we always talk about building a wood culture. Like, what does that mean? Why is that important? Yeah, well, I also think, you know, I mean, this is not your grandma and grandpa's forest sector, right? right. And, and I find in, in Ottawa, as we, as we deal, um, you know, increasingly with urban members of parliament, yeah. uh, you know, you know, my grandpa, and my dad worked in the forest sector. It, it's something I grew up and I saw, and I'm, and I'm in this job. I see that evolution and that transformation that's happening in the sector. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, that, that's not the experience of most Canadians. Right. Um, so, so I feel there is that education in terms of making them aware of what those innovation opportunities are. What I love about mass timber, and I also love this about urban forestry. Yeah. Um, you know, we see emerald ash borer and, and a lot of these pests infesting our urban forests. Mm -hmm. And it does make the case to people in the cities that you need to tend to your trees. Right. You, you, need, you need to be looking at the land base. You need to be monitoring. And in some cases, you need to be thinning. You need to be managing. Mm -hmm. And in, in some cases, those trees are going to die and they need to be taken care of. Um, I, so, so I think we're all, I'm always, I'm always keen to see those relatability opportunities with mm -hmm. with people who live in cities like Edmonton and Calgary who might might be far removed from from forestry communities yeah. and understanding and I think mass timber you know I was just in Toronto a few weeks ago and there's a brand new 10-story uh, building going up at George Brown College right in downtown cool. Toronto and, and I know a few of the liberal MPs in downtown Toronto think that's really cool mm -hmm. so it, it is an opportunity to engage with them so I think I think things like mass timber represent a tremendous uh, opportunity to raise awareness yeah. uh, about not only the environmental benefits of building more with wood, but to, but to educate people on the broader sustainability bona fides of, of Canada's forest sector. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something else we, we talked about, never mind just the sustainability aspect, which is, by the way, I don't want to overlook that. That is incredibly important. But something else that we hear a lot about uh, using, you know, more wood elements into buildings. We talk about biophilic design. We talk about some of the mental health benefits. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in that field, but I've, I've read yeah. the studies and, and I've heard from the academics about those opportunities. And you see it yourself when you go into a wood building. I was a friend of mine. I think it's the the, the library in Calgary, maybe, is, yeah. is a beautiful wood design. Beautiful. And I, I saw a friend posted on Instagram the other day and I'm just like, my God, that's a beautiful, like, I'd want to mm -hmm. go hang out in the library. You know, yeah. my, 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 my parents would be shocked to hear me say that. But I think that, I think that's really cool. And I think anytime you go into a structure and, you know, I was at, Rock Commons at the University of British mm -hmm. Columbia a number of months ago, and 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 any of these beautiful um, buildings made of wood, it's it, it it does it does make you feel closer to nature. It does make you feel more relaxed. So yeah. so you know those studies clearly are showing those biophilic benefits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I absolutely love about hearing you talk, Derek, is um, any any time I've seen you give a presentation, your passion for the forest sector is always just so apparent. What is it that that drives you to to be so engaged with the sector and such a uh, such a fabulous speaker, such a champion for forestry? Well, thank you. I, I think part of it is just my family. My my grandpa and my dad both worked um, in a in a corrugated box making plant in my home community of, of cool. Pembroke, Ontario, which is about hour and a half north of Ottawa, right in the Ottawa Valley. Um, so, so I, um, and, and living in the country, I was just used to the forest management that was happening in, in, in and around um, um, my home. Mm -hmm. uh, later on in my career, I had the privilege of working for a tremendous member of provincial parliament uh, for, the, for the Ottawa Valley area, who always said to me, and, and I remember, you know, when I worked with him at Queen's Park at the Capitol in Toronto, 
uh, he would always talk about, you know, when you're from a rural community, you need to work harder. You need to yeah. work smarter. Um, and, and, and I've carried that with me. And, and in our community, we had a number of sawmills up Highway 60 and Highway 41. Um, and I, and I know how important those jobs are to that community and mm-hmm. those communities. I also know the care that those people take because they live in that community. They yeah. recreate in that community. Their kids grow up there and, and they have a vested interest in making sure that those forests are there forever. Yeah. So, so I feel the responsibility because of where I've come from. Uh, I also feel the responsibility as somebody who grew up in a rural community, um, in a, in a, in an urban dominated environment that we mm-hmm. live in, in the public policy space. I feel I have a responsibility and opportunity to bring my voice. Yeah. Awesome. That is so great. Um, you know, you've touched on, so, you know, your background, you grew up with that exposure to the forest sector, but maybe in some of those urban centers, in a lot of cases, you might A, have no idea that we have forestry or B, just you might not know much about it. What do you see as some of kind of the key opportunities to, you know, bring the importance of our sector, bring attention to that in some of those urban areas? Yeah, I, I think you're doing some of it in Alberta already through the Love Alberta Forest campaign. Oh, I, I think that, no, I think it's an amazing campaign. It's something as we've looked at um, at uh, Forest Products Association of Canada, our, our forestry for the future.ca campaign. Fabulous. Uh, we're, we love it. And what I love even more about the, about the work that's gone into it is the results coming out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're seeing, and, you know, I, I think, you know, when I leave, you know, I go into the office in the morning and, and I have something called the clipping service, which is really the media assessment of all the things related to forestry in the news. Most days of the week, there seems to be more bad news than good news that you're reading in the paper. And that's yeah. the, the nature of the world we live in today. Uh, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of chaos, a lot of, uh, a lot of polarization. Um, and we're not, we're not immune from that in forestry. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm continuing to be reminded when we do the public opinion polling, and, mm-hmm. and, and you've seen the same results Absolutely. in Alberta. When you actually get away from the noise and the polarization and the, the zero-sum games being played out there by some people mm-hmm. and some groups, you start to see there is, there's a lot of love for our sector. There's a lot Definitely. of respect, but, but there's also, and, and in our most recent polling, it's the lovers to the haters. It's about four to one. Mm. Um, I think any politician and any industry would take those numbers, right? In, in, terms yeah. of, in terms of, you know, if you only had 9% of people really not liking you, that's, yeah. you're actually doing pretty darn good. Um, but, but the call to action, there is that, that 40 to 50% of people in the middle who don't know yeah. and who are unsure. Um, and I think we have, we have an obligation for, for our, to our workers and our forestry communities to, to try to talk to those people. Yeah. Uh, the 9% who have no interest in listening and who've already made up their minds, I, I, I'm just not going to waste my time there, to be very honest with you. Uh, no disrespect, but, 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 but those people are immovable. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk to the people who, who are open. Yeah. I want to talk to the people who want to learn more. Uh, and to me, those are suburban families. Those are millennials. Uh, those are those are increasingly new Canadians coming and settling in mm-hmm. in places like Edmonton and Calgary. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there, but we have to continue through through the Love Alberta Forest campaign, mm-hmm. through our campaign. There needs to continue to be more work to bring our story to the people. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, you know, I might be a little biased, frankly, but I remember when I first came into uh, into the forestry sector, and honestly, I didn't know the first thing about forestry. But I found really quickly that it's an easy sector to love um, because I think, you know, myself, like a lot of other people, the values are the same. Sustainability, community, those are um, working with your community. Like those are critical things for our sector. And I think once you learn more about, you know, commitment to the environment, commitment to climate change, commitment to utilization, commitment to 
um, you know, really important partnerships that we have with indigenous communities, with our forestry communities. It's easy to it's easy to get behind that. Yeah, and and it's the people. Like, how many people are here for this? But is it? The, I think we're over three hundred, which is very exciting for us. Well, it's like a homecoming. Like I kind of walked in yeah. and I saw these people I, I haven't seen for a couple of years. And actually, we had a big event in Ottawa last week, which I, I saw a number and a number of uh, a number of municipal leaders from uh, mm-hmm. from from northwestern Alberta were there as well, which was great. Um, the, the, for me, the people. I, I'm in year seven of this job. I, I you know I, I'll be forty eight this year. I almost feel like I peaked too early. I I, I kind of <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to do this for a long time, right? Yeah. And a big part of that is not only because of my values and I and 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 the potential I know this sector has to do more, but the people are incredible in this industry. Yeah. Um, and I think, especially on the you know the the biologists, the foresters, the mm-hmm. ecologists, who who you know on average probably aren't the best public speakers. They're probably more comfortable being in the bush with their head down doing their job. Yeah. Um, so, so my other mission is to, and my other mission is to try to get more of those people out to talk yeah. about what they do every day. Cause I know if, if, if Canadians had the opportunity to listen to them, they, they'd fall in love with our industry as well. Yeah. I know um, we have a, another really exciting program called work wild, um, which I know you're familiar with. Yeah. And so as part of that program, we have a really cool opportunity where we sometimes get to bring out folks from, uh, from the forestry communities, from the from the bush to talk to students and you kind of you can see that light bulb moment go off where they see that passion they hear about the science and everything that goes behind in it and it's a really cool moment yeah it it is and the other thing I I like about our sector is let's not be afraid to talk about the things that are challenging us you know one of the other things we talked about earlier today at the conference was some issues in terms of dwindling caribou populations Mm -hmm. you know what what solutions can we bring to bear how can forestry be a solution because it can be Uh, we talked a bit about in a couple communities we're having some trout population problems we got to get to the bottom of that what are the interventions that can be made to support those populations so this is an industry that can walk and chew gum at the same time right like i think (laughs) we get so caught up in some of the challenges and some of the pursuits of some of these anti-voices who are campaigning to stop forestry and i really think we need to step back and start thinking about the full value chain and the opportunity and and let's not shy away from the problems but 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 as we deal with these problems let's recognize all the amazing things that the industry is Mm -hmm. doing in other areas and and i think that's a really important consideration that doesn't get enough uh, doesn't get enough airtime yeah i absolutely agree and i think um you know something that's incredible about the sector is that you know we are a, a willing and an engaged dance partner when it comes to some of the species at risk that you're talking about i think what's really key there is a multi-species approach and that's something that sector uh, the forest sector is really engaged in um, you know, we're funding multiple different research initiatives. We've got a great uh, grizzly bear program in FRI. We've got lots of caribou research that's going on. And I think forestry is a big part of solving, you know, the answer to those problems. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the challenges we have with public policy around species um, like caribou in Canada, because, um, you know, that, that's the, the, the work that we do in forestry is really about the entire ecosystem. Yeah. It's about all living things in that part of the bush. It's about the interests of local environmental groups. It's about the interests uh, and, and cultural values and, and the rights of, of local indigenous communities. It's about the local snowmobile club. Mm-hmm. In some parts of the country, it's about make it's about building the roads that are going to connect communities to the hospital or to another community. And so there's so many values. Yeah. Um, and, and then when we get dragged down a hole on one value, i.e. caribou, which is a very important one, mm-hmm. we, we can sometimes offset or throw off balance some of the other values we're managing right. for. And, and so, you know, that's not to absolve ourselves of responsibility on, on, on species that might be struggling. Mm-hmm. But, but I do agree with you that, 
that I think a, a more of a whole of ecosystem approach is necessary yeah. because around Grand Prairie, caribou and grizzly bears want different conditions. They totally do. So, so, so you know, in, in balancing in balancing that, uh, you know, it's it's if you get dragged the whole of just intervening for one variable, mm -hmm. you're going to have a host of unintended consequences, and that's very complicated, in, especially in this kind of a policy political um, social media short attention span environment these are tough conversations to have in four to seven seconds mm -hmm. um, and and uh, you know I think that's uh, anyway I, I I think that whole that as you can tell I feel very strongly about yeah. this but but I almost know too much about it in terms of the detail and and um, but I think that's an area hopefully the the federal government in time is going to get there to look at more you know multiple species whole of ecosystem kind of approaches to land management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Derek, I could absolutely speak to you about this for easily an hour, two hours. I know we could keep going on this because I can tell that you're passionate about it. And and I know that there's a lot, um, a lot going on in our sector that's exciting um, and innovative and, and lots to unpack there. Uh, we're so looking forward to having you be our keynote speaker for dinner. Before we wrap up today, is there anything else you'd like to chat about? Uh, no, I'm I'm really just happy to be here. It's great to be back uh, in Alberta, and um, and uh, I'm really um, I'm really moved and, and buoyed by the by the the support and the interest and the people on the ground here doing work, great work every day. So it's nice to reconnect with everybody, and I'm looking forward to to joining for dinner tonight. Awesome! Thanks so much, Derek. Great, thank you.